0: thank you for joining our conversation on wow whispering i am your host diane a Curran, and it is delightful to be with you wow is spontaneous open expressive whispering is intimate still receptive in our modern age moments rush in or away like quicksilver do we even make the time to savor a wow or reflect on a whisper to notice and value such gifts We're ready to do just that with you right now. I am so delighted to be with everyone here today. Thank you so much for joining us. And I have a very special guest. Her name is Jenna Dillon, and I'm going to share a little bit about her background. But first, I'd just love to say good morning. Welcome. We are in the early bird world. Jenna, it's delightful to be with you today.
1: Thank you so much. It's great to be here.
0: You know, I want to share with everybody a little bit about Jenna so that you can know what she's up to in life, which is a lot. She is an executive performance coach, and she's committed to working with clients who are leaders, game changers, and up to exploring what they're capable of. Oh my gosh, we have lots to talk about here. And after mentoring different types of business owners for several years, she decided to step into the coaching industry and trained through the transformational coaching work, Phenomenology. Jenna creates a safe space where authenticity, vulnerability, and empowerment can live in accordance with each other. She partners with her clients to uncover any values, beliefs, or rules that up until now have controlled the way they think and live their life. Her list of past and present clients is very wide-ranging and includes business owners, entrepreneurs, C-suite executives, executive coaches even, and engineers, as well as doctors, physiotherapists, financial advisors, mortgage bankers, even nonprofit organizations, artists, and other high-performing individuals. While Jenna resides in the Los Angeles area, she's worked with clients around the US, Australia, and Canada. And as an entrepreneur herself, Jenna is committed and passionate about empowering her clients standing with them and for them, so that they have the tools to break through barriers and create exponential, extraordinary results. Wow, Jenny, you sound like somebody who is up to something big in your life. I am so excited to hear a little bit about what it is that got you into coaching. Since we're in the world of wow and whispering, you can approach it from any direction you like because I know it's going to really land with audiences who are curious since coaching has become something that, Many people in all walks of life now, as you've shared with your clientele, they need coaches. And that did not used to be the way of things when I started out life in business myself. So I'd love to hear what moved you in that direction.
1: Yeah, sure. Thank you. I actually, when I first was moving to LA, I had my first career as a dancer in Chicago. And then when I moved out here to LA, um, I wanted to pursue the other thing that I studied in school, which was business management. And that led me into mentoring entrepreneurs whether they were sole proprietors or owners of a franchise so I ended up doing that for about four four and a half years and at the same time was creating a mastermind group and I've always been interested in people since I was a kid I mean I would say since 10 or 11 years old I was always interested in talking to people and understanding even bonding with my father on what made people tick like why did we behave the way that we did uh, why did we do things and not do certain things, and so I actually almost went to school for sociology and psychology, but needless to say, moved out here and about four or four and a half years to living in Los Angeles, somebody introduced themselves at my church as an executive coach and i thought what 's that you know and so i didn 't get a chance to have a conversation with him that day, but I reached but he sent out his social media information and so I reached out to him and I said, hey, like, I might be interested in hiring a coach, but I'm not an executive because I didn't know what executive coach meant. (laughs) So I thought that meant I had to be an executive to work with him. Well, that's interesting because I think a
0: lot of people think exactly that. They think, well, I've got to be working for a corporation. I've got to be a manager or a director or something in C-Suite. So I'm interested in what that person said in response to that question from you.
1: Well, yeah, so uh, when I, I basically outed myself that I didn't know what he was, <laughs> what he did <laughs> and who he worked with, but I, I had asked him if he knew another coach, like a regular coach, and so when we met, and I asked to buy him a cup of coffee, when we met and had a conversation, um, he said, actually, like, I have a few different coaches, and we're all executive coaches, but we coach not just executives. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I thought, oh, okay. And so I learned they coach up to and including executives. And so that was the kind of reasoning behind calling themselves an executive coach and why I do. And so anyway, that was really the start is he introduced me to a colleague of his and I had one conversation with her and I just loved the intro coaching session, if you will. And I hired her right away. Um, and that was the start. That was how I heard about coaching.
0: Well, how great is that? Because now that you mention that, it occurs to me that people don't get born and suddenly they're an, exe- an executive. Some process has to occur in their life where they are on their way to becoming an executive. And it's an intriguing word because oftentimes I've been in, in the world of business for a long time myself. And I have worked with People in companies and organizations that have a series of different positions, some of which are leading the group of people that they're working with, some of which are reporting to people who lead them. And so this idea of an executive being a person who leads, but it's intriguing to think about what coaching allows you to do. And since you mentioned it, Jenna comes from a background where in the world of dance, You oftentimes have, and I don't know if they call themselves coaches, but you have people who are teaching you and leading you through a process whereby you're learning a dance or you're getting ready for for a performance, or maybe you're in a company where somebody is the founder of the company, leading the company. So is that something that translates well into the world of coaching? Is Is there a parallel there?
1: You know, that's a really interesting question. Because it was so neat to hear you mention that perspective of dancers uh, being led by different individuals, whether it's from a dance company, perhaps even a dance studio, a choreographer teaching them how to perform their work. But you know, I always saw dancing as me being my own boss, Ah. which is interesting uh, because I I, like hearing this other perspective. I, I find that at least in the in the dancing world and and several other artists lines of work, I'm sure, is a lot of times we're an independent contractor with several different people, whether, again, different companies, different organizations, and we are hustling. <laughs> like, we are hustling because we want to be successful. There is so much drive in dancers, um, in artists, and a lot of times, at least in Chicago, like the concert dance scene isn't known for, we don't do it for the money but we still have bills to pay. <laughs> so so we're, we actually, I mean, I'm so grateful and was so in love with that chapter of my life because it really taught me life skills of going for what you care about and what you love because you're worth that. But figuring out a way to have some really strong worth ethic and really strong, I guess, muscles, if you will, <laughs> uh, mind muscles of determination and Like a no is just a no, you'll get another yes when you go to another audition or like just different skills that I find dancers to be able to have a lot of grit and perseverance.
0: Oh, grit. Oh, that is something that works in so many areas of life. And sometimes we may have it and we don't know we have it. So I'm thinking about how coaching is something that in many ways gives a person a chance to see outside their own point of view what they already sort of think they know about themselves. And you get the opportunity to be with people and not be that person. You get to be a voice that gives them something beyond what they already know about themselves or think about themselves or fear about themselves or wonder about themselves. And I'm wondering if you find that that is part of what pulls pulled you into the world of coaching, this idea that you can provide something Person can't really provide for themselves, can they?
1: Yeah, you know, I think it's in our nature, how our brain works, and just as humans, is we will always create blind spots and we don't even know that we're doing that. And so, what was so interesting to me when I was getting trained as a coach is I guess it was even before, I think that's why I was so drawn to understanding like this is what I'm meant to do. I was able to see things about people that they didn't see in themselves even before before I got trained like and and I didn't know how to quite explain that until I got trained <laughs> you know like and so it was interesting cuz I would I was like well I don't think they realize that they're actually really doubtful they're doubting themselves in this area and I don't even think they realize that you know like th- things like that and so it was such a gift to be able to not just have the framework and the tools but also the ability to Communicate and understand what it was that some of the skills that I had, and then develop them more and communicate them to everyone where it could hopefully make more sense.
0: (laughs) Well, you know, it reminds me of what you said a little while ago in our conversation. You said, since you were a little kid, and especially in conversation with your dad, you were always interested in observing people maybe understanding them, what makes them tick? How great is that? It's, it's a quality that really connects naturally to curiosity you have about people. And now the point of view, the skills that you can bring that again, a person can't bring for themselves. We all need a coach, don't we?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I really believe ever since I hired a coach, I was so ecstatic about my experience and what I was learning and the results that I was getting that I just started telling everybody I knew. I was like, everyone could use this. And I was referring so many people (laughs) to my coach. So, yeah.
0: How great is that? Well, there's a kind of a sense of wow here because oftentimes when I think about the definition of wow, most people don't have a definition of wow. They just simply say it when it feels right. And yet, There's something about it. We know it when we see a wow or when we we feel a wow or when we, in a sense, get surprised by one. So I suspect that in your coaching conversations, you probably bring up that experience of wow among your clients fairly often because you're bringing something that they, maybe it's a blind spot, as you mentioned, or it's a surprise that they hadn't really given themselves even credit for.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's kind of one of the, beautiful, organic things that I love about the work is, uh, and I feel so grateful to be doing it because it's like, I get to help people uncover their wows. Um, And I don't even, I'm I'm literally before every meeting, I'm like, oh, I wonder what we're gonna talk about today. I wonder what we're gonna notice. I wonder what we're gonna find and what's gonna lead them into more things for their future. Like um, it's, it's really a creative, explorative process that I just am so grateful to be a part of.
0: Well, it reminds me that there's always another side to a wow, and I'm ca- I call it the whisper, which yeah. is the quiet elements and the quiet energies of life that are present for us, or it can surprise us as well. And when we were planning to get together today, you mentioned a whisper that has to do with your grandfather. And I wonder if you would share that with us now.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I would love to. So, I have had a grandfather Ron who he actually passed away over a year ago and he he had been diagnosed with leukemia and was pretty far along in that diagnosis and his in his cancer and so He was actually given two to six months, but he ended up living for about a year, which was wonderful. I had planned my first solo trip overseas to Italy around fall of last year. I thought I just was so ecstatic. Like I had decided to go to Italy and I had been wanting to go since I was in middle school. And I realized several months before that, like at the beginning of last year, that the only reason why I hadn't taken myself to Italy is because I never decided to go. And so I decided to go, I was planning a trip and then my grandfather's health was getting really worse and worse. And though I had been, at, he lives or lived in Kansas City with the rest of my immediate family. And I had been able to visit many times throughout the year but I started to get phone calls more often from my parents saying, you know, he's really declining like he might be going fast. And I was just praying that I was like, oh, please don't have him pass away while I'm in Italy. Cause then I won't be able to go to his funeral and all this. Well, he passed away two weeks to the day that I was flying out to go to, to Italy. And I was so, I, I booked a flight and I went to the funeral, like on a moment's notice. And then the Sunday, I came back on a Sunday after the funeral. And then I had about three days before I went on my trip to Italy. And, I, and the timing of that really couldn't have worked out better because I not only got to be with my family in one of the most important times that I could probably think of to be there for them and with them for me, but I then got to have time to myself to go on a trip that was literally, I call it the trip of my life. I've never done anything like that by myself. <laughs> and yes, that
0: solo and, element is really an adventure, isn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah. And then but because I had just had this experience with my family, it was a really beautiful moment in Italy to honor his death and mm-hmm. to honor his life. So, it was really sacred. You know, when I remember when you were telling me Diane about your podcast and I loved the whispering concept because you know, I was just talking about this um on one of my social media platforms the other week and how sometimes i think people forget how to keep sacredness in their life and that that's what i thought of a whisper when you mentioned whispering moments is like that those are moments that are sacred to me that only i choose and i know about and i i have you know i can explain what i did which i just did but no one knows what that really was like only i did And and so that was my whispering moment.
0: Well, you're so generous to share it because it occurs to me, we may have a whisper experience, but because it's quiet and because it's just us, we might not even honor it or recognize it as the renewal that it can bring, the spirit that it enlivens in us. And if we don't share it with somebody else, We may sometimes kind of forget a little bit about it because there's no external reminder or acknowledgement. And you know, it occurs to me that in many ways, the work that you do of coaching gives you an opportunity to bring that whisper to other people so they connect with it inside themselves and maybe honor that space. I keep thinking of the word executive coach, the phrase executive coach. It tends to present a picture that's somewhat conventional. It says, well, here's a person in an organization interacting with a lot of people for a business purpose. But that's a human being. That's a human being who has to have, as you say, the sacred part of life, the quiet part of life, alive and flourishing for their health to be really available to them. So, Jenna, by sharing this, you are so generous because you are giving us today and all the listeners today and beyond today who listen to this an opportunity to connect with that spirit inside themselves. Thank you so much for doing that.
1: Thank you. That was so eloquently put. Thank you.
0: It is a pleasure to be with you. We're going to take a short little break now for a moment. We're going to come right back, everybody, and share more with Jenna Dillon. Today, we are pleased to feature museums. And not just one, but five top museums that we know are top, why? Because there's a way to find out how many people go there. They count their visitors. And so we're gonna mention the five museums that, well, they happen to be art museums because I'm a real lover of art, many people are. And the proof is in the pudding. How many people go and visit art museums? Well, let me give you some examples. The Louvre is the number one visited museum in the world with 8.1 million visitors every year. Oh my gosh, that is remarkable. And catching right up, who knows if they'll jump ahead, is the National Museum of China with 8 million every year. Now, I'm not mentioning their websites right now because they're a little bit complicated. I wanna tell you that Uh, They, and at least uh, one other of the museums listed in my group of five, have uh, websites that are not .coms or .orgs, because they are national websites in their country of origin. So, you'll definitely want to check out the show notes to find out how to get to the Louvre, how to get to the China Museum, and now, museum number three is the Metropolitan Museum of Art, fondly known by those in New York City where it lives as the Met. And the Met is 7.3 million strong. And boy, do they get a lot of visitors from all over the world, because when people come to New York, that's one of the places they go. It's it's an extraordinary collection from all over the world and uh, very, very popular. And right behind it in Rome is the Vatican Museum. Their collection is extremely detailed, historic, and quite rare objects of art. 6.5 million people visit it every year. But number five on the list of amazing art museums that are very popular is the British Museum. In London, 5.9 million people go there every year. And by the way, I'd never be able to get to all the museums. Do you know that in the United States alone, there are 33,000 museums? And in the world, 55,000 in over 202 countries. We live in the world of online resources. So what that has prompted these and other museums to do is to begin to take their collection, photograph it beautifully with very high resolution, super quality photographs and images, and put them online in many cases for free so that people who can't come and visit them can enjoy their collection. Now there's nothing like standing in front of a work of art and seeing the magical textures and the way the light from around you bounces off and enlivens the work of art. And to be able to see what it's made of and how it looks and how big it is, all of that. But if you can't be there in person, you still get the opportunity to be there virtually. And it is magnificent to know that the museums that really are about having people come visit them or also about visiting people. So I encourage you to check out their websites and just uh, maybe side a to your local art museum. You may be surprised to find out what fun it can be. Enjoy. I am so delighted to be back with my wonderful guest, Jenna Dillon. She is an executive performance coach and she has been sharing with us wows and whispers and I want to focus in on that word performance, because as a former dancer, and I don't know, I assume that you still keep up with your dancing just as a a kind of quality of life. Is that something that you still participate in for
1: your your own joy and enjoyment? Yes, I do my best to take classes um, about once a week if I can. Yeah. Well, that's fantastic. And you know, it's
0: interesting to talk about that timing, because thinking about performing, dance is something that Well, it requires a physical strength. It requires physical skills. It requires attention. It requires creativity. So to keep up with that is really exercising qualities within yourself that I suspect spill over into the world of performing in your now current business life as an executive performance coach. How does that work for you, Jenna?
1: So uh, just to be sure I understand, Diane, you want to you want me to talk about the difference between how I transferred my skills as a dancer into working with people in their performance now? I have a feeling there is there
0: is something that connects with both and oftentimes people especially in Los Angeles and I think now in the modern world we have a tendency to sometimes not recognize that skills we have in one area of life can in fact translate and and be a foundation for an entirely different area of life so I'm intrigued that you made that major switch yourself
1: yeah so i find that dancers tend to learn and i'm sure other individuals as well from different backgrounds and different industries and careers uh, i learned a lot about perseverance and grit and i think that's something that absolutely transferred over because it isn't it, it isn't and wasn't just something that i transferred over for myself learning how to be a client for a coach and to be a coach and building my own practice But it was a way for me to understand how others can build those muscles for themselves, like mind muscles, if you will, (laughs) um, in in their own lives and their own careers. And not that the way I learned is the way that they will learn, but to understand it's possible. Let's see how they can develop these tools, right? Or understand, even when people are learning how to gauge their integrity, are they doing what they say they want to do? Wow. or what they say they're going to do, <laughs> that can have a huge impact on the results that they create for themselves, which I call performance.
0: Well, I am really intrigued with the way you've joined the, the word integrity with the word performance on a very visceral level, people doing what they say they're going to do. It's not just about how does the world see you as a person of your word. Isn't there something internal that happens when, when that when, when you're in that space.
1: Absolutely. And a lot of times people, so many people, I would say a majority of people, they'll value other people's opinions more than their own. And they don't even realize that until they, it occurs to them that their word that they give to others becomes more important than the word to themselves. And doesn't it sometimes take
0: somebody pointing that out to give you permission to open up that awareness?
1: Absolutely. And what an impact it has had for them. And I say the term up until now, (laughs) because they may notice how it has been holding them back. And for us to explore, I wonder what it would look like. So if you were to have just as much of a value to the things that you say you want to do for you, compared to the things that you say you will do to others. Well, there's a big wow
0: right there that sometimes sneak up, sneaks up on you in the form of a whisper to begin with as you are planting that seed, I'm sure, in conversations with your clients very often. Yes, yes. Fantastic. Well, I am wondering, as we could talk forever, if there's something in particular that you would like to share with our listeners today. And oh, before we do that, can I just mention something that you've very generously offered to our listeners? And it's something I want to make sure that everybody knows how to reach you. And it's very simple. I'm going to say and spell your website because it is your name. I want to make sure people get it right. It's jenadillon.com. So it's J E N N A D I L L O N.com. And if you go there, you can find out more about what Jenna is up to. And That's one place you can take advantage of something she is so uh, kindly being offering to our listeners here today, which is a complimentary 60-minute intro coaching session. And in that, you're going to get a chance to explore with Jenna what you're capable of. Oh, how exciting that is. And there's two ways you can do that. Number one is in the show notes here, and I'm sort of pointing down uh, uh, in my imagination to underneath the audio portion of where you're listening to this podcast, there's something called show notes, which will give you a link to reach out and get this offer from Jenna. And it's to her scheduling app, but you can also see and just click on that there. And you can go to her website as well to get this opportunity to really receive a gift from Jenna, which is to give you a little opening, a little window into what it's like, to explore what you're capable of. How great is that? And tell me, in that first uh, hour's coaching, how does that typically go for people? Are they, are they a little bit nervous sometimes, a little bit surprised by how that goes? What, what happens in that session?
1: You know, it's always different. I I would say it's never, it always looks so different depending on the person. Some people that have come into an intro coaching session and they've never had coaching before, I say, well, let's just explore. Let's just, I'd love to get to know you and hear what you're up to. And it really just becomes a really organic conversation where, and I say like, this is a two-way interview. You're getting to know me, I'm getting to know you and we're just gonna see if it's a good fit, right? And then I wanna just explore and see what would be the thrilling kind of life that you would love to have that perhaps it wouldn't be like the fantasy answer or the realistic answer, but somewhere in between that. And how could we explore different ways for you to get that? So rather than something that just sounds okay. I think that's perfect. You know, it's,
0: it's like you're opening a window onto a view that somebody may not have noticed in their own life. And yet again, it's a reminder of the real power in conversation and coaching that's done well, as you say, it's a two-way experience. It is something that we think, oh, that's the province of professional athletes. So that's the province of someone who's out in the public a lot, but it is also the province of leading a fulfilled life. And, and, And I'm getting that from our conversation today, Jenny, you've been so great to talk about what has been inside, what drew you to coaching, what draws you to life, and I wanted to ask and sort of follow through on the question I posed a moment ago, which is, is there anything in particular that you're prompted to share with our audience? You want to make sure that you leave them with as we d- draw to a, a a close in our conversation today.
1: Yes, absolutely. Thank you. Since I was introduced to coaching and how to coach myself and then started in this career, I would say That not just for me as a coach to see in other people, but for me as an individual, I have been amazed at the power of the work of coaching can actually uncover and not just show people who they are, but they can have the choice to reinvent who they want to be and reinvent the results and the life that they want to create. And they can do it in a much faster, effective, efficient way than they ever thought they could. So it's become really inspiring for me to not only have moments like that and have results like that, but I am the messenger to help people see that for themselves. So that is the best gift I think that I could give. People deserve to have something like that in their life.
0: Well, I know we can all see and sense what it is that draws you to and motivates you and fulfills you in the world of being an executive coach and being a person who's just turned on by life.
1: (laughs) Thank you so much. Yeah.
0: (laughs) So for those of you who'd like to find out more about Jenna Dillon, you can do that very easily. Just go to her website, jennadillon.com. And I want to thank you, Jenna, for sharing your wonderful early bird energy here this morning in Los Angeles with all of us and around the world for everybody who'll be listening. And I want to wish you well, and thank you so much again for being my guest.
1: Oh, it's an honor and a privilege. Thank you for having me on here, Diane.
0: Be well, and let's keep wow whispering through life. What a pleasure to be with you in the world of wow whispering. As we complete this episode, I invite you to notice the wows and whispers that enliven or challenge as they fulfill life for you in both tiny moments and transforming experiences. I wish you the very best until we meet next time.